0: What's up, everybody? Uh, part two coming at you uh, here on the Chasing Most Podcast. Yovan Bua uh, is back. The Athletics, Yovan Bua, and host of the Stargazing Podcast on uh, on the Athletics. So go subscribe and check out Yovan's podcast there as he just wrapped up season one. Um, great, great show. Uh, interviewing all kinds of good folks. Uh for behind the scenes stuff uh in the nba so it's a great listen go check that out it's also great to just have yovan back on the podcast follow him on twitter at yovan and subscribe to theathletic.com if you have not already done so uh, Jovan and I we hit on a lot of stuff a lot of fun stuff on this edition of the podcast uh, who Jovan's been watching some Hornets thoughts um, what what happened to the Lakers he covers the Lakers so diving into what's next LeBron's future there Anthony Davis's future Westbrook Vogel all that um, their playoff aspirations um all that and more uh with Yovan plus Utah. Do we believe in them after a big win against Phoenix on Sunday and them being third in that rating? Are we a believer in them at this point? And then what what do we think about Denver if they get back Murray and Porter before the playoffs and where they sit uh going into this stretch run here in the NBA season? All that and more with Yovan coming up in just one second. Don't forget, folks, you can uh watch this podcast too. Youtube.com, type in the Chase Most podcast, hit that subscribe button, uh, thumbs up share it out uh, help that YouTube channel continue to grow. Um also, if you are a uh, subscriber to this very podcast, I would greatly appreciate it if you have not already done so, leave this show a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or however you get your podcast. Uh you can also email us with any MBA questions you might have or any general questions at chasethomaspodcast@gmail.com. At uh also, follow myself on twitter.com, uh twitter.com slash chase double underscore thomas like the facebook page at facebook.com slash chase thomas writer and then of course go check out chase thomas podcast.com the the home page where you can get access to all of my previous episodes and uh keep up with the show and all that good stuff so all that and more but first uh let's get into this episode with Yovan bua uncle darren let's go chase thomas pod the chase thomas podcast um my nephew needs me to record
1: see i hate i already hate it i hate it
0: all right guys your earballs balls are not deceiving you we're stargazing on uh, this episode of the Chase Thomas podcast, where Yovan Bua, the old friend, uh, is is back. He, he's he been spending a lot of time in the stars. I'm going to see how many times I can use stars in this <laughs> opening. Uh, Mr. Yovan Bua of The Athletic. Um, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, man. Uh, voice is a little raspy because,
1: mm-hmm. of course, when you have to do a podcast, your, your voice naturally gets a little raspy. But uh, otherwise, I'm good. Just enjoying the... Uh, the circus that has been the Lakers season
0: is it you because we saw this with the Clippers and Pat Bev and everything and now we see this with Los Angeles Yovan is it is it contagious what are you doing to these locker rooms like Bill O'Ram your coworker at the athletic got targeted by uh, by LeBron James this past week but you've been uh, able to avoid the crosshairs and I'm not so sure Yovan I'm not so sure uh-huh. if it's not a Yovan effect
1: uh, apparently, that th- mm-hmm. follows me. Whatever team I'm covering, there's some type of locker room drama and, and, and turmoil and underachievement. So I don't know what I'm doing, but uh, it honestly it doesn't make my life easier. It makes my life harder. So I, I, I would like to reverse this trend because I, I would like to just cover a good functional team.
0: <laughs> so that's a good question. When was the last time you covered just a fun, like they're all happy to be there, great team? Because you got the Lakers uh, beat after the bubble, right?
1: Yeah, so it, it was that 2018-19 Clippers team, mm. which, you know, that they, they, the, they were, you know, a lot of people projected them like 10 to 12 seed. They end up overachieving, being an eight seed, winning a couple games uh, in Golden State or against the Warriors, including the one in Golden State where they were down by... I want to say 31 or 33 mm-hmm. um, and had that crazy comeback at Oracle. So that w- that team was was really fun. And then from there, it's been 19-20 Clippers, which had all the locker room stuff. And then they lose in embarrassing fashion in the bubble. You had last year's Lakers where LeBron and AD each miss half the season and they lose in the first round of Phoenix. And then you have this year's Lakers, which has probably been the biggest circus of all of them, with with the failed Russ experiment, and and now uh, this LeBron Cleveland stuff, and and just I mean this team might not even make the play in. I know we're going to get into that, but uh, I, I think there's a legitimate chance that this team just doesn't even make the play in tournament at this point. So um, it, it's been uh, it, it's been a mess of a season, and it's it, it's been fun it's been fun at times because it's been so like hilariously just like shocking, but. Um, and predictable in some ways, but uh, it's, yeah, overall though, it's, it's not fun to cover a, a middling team.
0: It is interesting because LeBron obviously was against the play-in uh, mm-hmm. when it first came out and now he needs it as a lifeline to make the playoffs. Cause like it's over if there's no play-in, like there's no chance they're making, uh, making the eight seed and getting in there. Like it's, it's, it's over, but um, it is so interesting to me because you mentioned Cleveland. I don't think it's a Cleveland thing. I don't think he's going back to Cleveland. I, I don't think that is something LeBron will do. I don't think he'll do that for a third time. And it's also a little bit different because they don't I, I like, look, everyone could always need a LeBron James, but like things are going pretty well. They're top 10 in net rating. They're, they might host a playoff series this year. Caps are cooking. They've got some stuff figured out. They got their own young budding superstar and Evan Mobley, who's just playing out of his mind for a rookie in this league. Um, I don't know. I don't think it's that. It, I don't know if you know this or not, Yovon. But this is something I posited. So, before the season, um, I said the Lakers are not going to make playoffs. I've gotten like a whole. Um, I've gotten a, uh, a an apology tour on the NBA pods uh, during the week because I I was adamantly opposed to this roster construction and bringing in Russ and what they were doing, and it's also like counting on the health of Anthony Davis post bubble. I was like, I. I don't think so. They just need too much from Anthony Davis and LeBron's going to miss his time. And I don't know. The depth is not there for them to be a top four seed in the West. I didn't see it. So when people were before the season, like, Oh, they can be a contender. I'm like, I I think they're probably like borderline playoff, maybe miss it altogether. And I, I just didn't think Russell Westbrook would even be on this roster at this point. So that's some area where I was like, I don't think he'll even be there. We'll see if he's even uh, getting minutes by game 82, but uh, that is to be uh, is to be determined, but um, I don't know. I didn't I didn't see it, and it required too much health, too much optimism in those three staying healthy and playing great, and guys like Taylor H- Horton Tucker taking the next step, and just really hitting home runs with the the bargain bin shopping like Avery Bradley and Blake Monk and company, and Trevor Reedza who looks completely cooked at this point in his career, but. Um, no, you're, I think he's gone and where I've said before the year. And I, this is probably a, a year now, Yovan. I think eventually his final move is not Cleveland. It's not Los Angeles. It's Phoenix. He is going to end his career. And I've said this for a year now as the five in Phoenix, because he's eventually, he's just a five at, at this point um, in small ball lineups. And I think he, buddy he joins up with uh James Jones, his old buddy. He, they do the sign and trade with DeAndre Ayton to Los Angeles. Um, that's part of it. Probably McHale might hurt. I don't know if they'll get McHale, but it's going to be something like that to make the numbers work for LeBron. LeBron, he re- reunites with Chris Paul. He, I'm sure, loves playing with Devin Booker, who can shoulder a lot of the offensive load. And they make one final swing of it with that core before Chris Paul really uh, gets too old, where it just it's it's just not going to work. Um and then he owns the team because then Robert Sarver eventually sells to LeBron and LeBron is the owner of the Phoenix Suns and works with James Jones. Um, years down the line, that's still what I believe. Am I crazy, Yovan?
1: Uh you you so like I, I think in in principle it's a little crazy, but but you you kind of sold me on it. You you I, I think that there was enough. Uh, there's enough layers to
0: that theory that you, you started to sell me on it. I've been thinking about it for a year, man. That was something because I just, th- I don't think he can finish in Los Angeles. That's something that's inescapable to me because the losing cannot change. They have no moves, right? Like Polinka can't do anything. There's nothing they, they can trade. There's no way out of this, right?
1: Uh, I, I think they're going to try to attach two picks and dump Russ this offseason and okay. reload I think it's probably gonna be one final go of LeBron 80 and a reloaded supporting cast. I I think they kind of realized that this, like to to do the three-star model, you really have to nail the supporting cast. I mean, first off, ideally the three stars fit, which obviously is not the case to to begin with. So the foundation of this whole situation uh, was shaky to begin with, but you know, Assuming you can get three stars to, to at least reasonably fit, wh- which again is not the case with the Lakers, you need to nail the supporting cast. And, and we've seen kind of the the star trios that have worked and the star trios that haven't worked. And it's been you know, I mean, Golden State. It's not even fair to say they had three; they, they had four guys. But um, you know, it is the the Andrew Bogets and the Le- Leandro Barbosas and the David Wests and the Z- you know the Zazas and the Sean Livingstons and like those guys that just fits seamlessly next to the stars. And it's the Mike Miller's and Shane Battier's. And like the Lakers had those guys a couple of years ago with KCP and Alex Caruso, Kyle Kuzma. Uh, but they ultimately decided to, uh, you know, um, flip those guys for Russell Westbrook. And, you know, cause it wasn't just the trade for Russell Westbrook. It essentially cost them Alex Caruso too, because of um, you know, retaining Alex Caruso with the money that they took on in the Westbrook trade would have ended up costing them, over 30 million extra dollars in luxury tax savings. So they decided not to keep Alex Caruso, which uh, is obviously a, a, you know, calamitous mistake for them right now, because, you know, he he would be the third best player on this team right now. Um, and I, I just think they need to kind of look in the mirror and, and sort of reload. And um, I, I think you, you probably have one more shot at it. And that's the, the, the unfortunate thing is like LeBron has been so great this season that you know 80's uh, not out so i think that there's you know if AD was going to be out anyway then you, you're not winning a championship you know regardless but just imagining the the alternate universe where this team has buddy healed and kcp and alex caruso uh and and you know their first round pick like that core plus the season lebron's having like that is a team that maybe isn't on like the Phoenix Golden State level per se, but is, is right there in like the the front court. I mean, the the home court kind of mix. I think with, with Memphis and Utah and Dallas and Denver, like they're right there with those teams. And then you still have LeBron and AD in a seven game series, which I don't think anyone wants to face. So really it's, it's you know, I, I think they have one more shot at it next season. And the only way they're really going to be able to maximize it is by flipping Russ, which I think they're going to have to attach multiple picks and, and take back basically whatever they can get.
0: Would they not consider Anthony Davis? Would that not be a tough conversation to have on the <clears> scenes of like, Hey, uh, we're never getting more than 60 games out of this person. Like he's in great player. He obviously fits great with LeBron. He got us a championship, but like, are we counting on, are we sure in this last, like we have to make it work with LeBron this upcoming year? Like, can we really count on Anthony Davis to be healthy enough for the stretch run and go through another long drawn out playoff run like i that's a tough conversation to have i wonder if lebron would what he would think about that honestly if he believes that anthony davis's body can hold up for one more stretch run like that i
1: think he would i I think the issue right now is that you're selling 80 at a low yeah when you you bought him at such a high with all the young guys they sent and i'm not
0: advocating trading him i just would Um, be curious what like, I mean,
1: I think, I think first yeah. and foremost, you, you have to tr- like just the rut, the rust situation to me is, is untenable where, mm-hmm. um, he's an aging former superstar who has not accepted his limitations. And, uh, you know, I, I think, I, I think he kind of sold the Lakers, um, you know, on, on and on a vision that never came to fruition of, of him actually adapting his game and taking a bit of a backseat to LeBron and AD, and he's kind of done so, um, you know, I feel like he, he kind of does the Kobe thing sometimes where he'll be a little passive aggressive and, um, you know, he'll have stretches of games or even entire games where he doesn't shoot that much. You know, you'll, you look at the box score and you're like, Russ only took 10 shots tonight, which even with how poor Russ has played, like most nights you, you, you want Russ taking more than 10 shots. It's just the quality of the shots and, and kind of when the shots are coming that, that really matter. But, um, you know, I just I, I think first and foremost, like they have to move on from that. I, I think he, ha- you know, again has not accepted his limitations. He has not accepted that he is no longer a superstar, and that fit has just been awful. You know, he's not meshed with Frank Vogel. I think the relationship with LeBron and AD ha- has, you know, progressively not been as strong as it was in the beginning of the season, and he he and LeBron just don't fit on the court together. And I think everybody kind of knew that heading into the season, but I think it's been like basically the worst case scenario of the rust situation. So I think you, you got to move on from that. And then you reassess, like, you know, is AD the second, not only is he the second star that you want next to LeBron, but really is he the guy you want moving forward? Because we, we know LeBron's only going to play two to, you know, two, three, maybe four more seasons. And and after that, and again, maybe he goes to Phoenix, like you said, or maybe he goes back to Cleveland, or maybe he goes somewhere else, wherever Bronny ends up, if he ends up in the NBA, but like after that, AD is, you know, technically gonna be the face of your franchise, your, your go-to, you know, guy. Like, are you comfortable with that? And, and I don't know the answer to that. I I think, you know, after the 2020 bubble, I think you would have been very comfortable with that. Uh after the last two seasons, I, I think it's back to can this guy stay healthy? You know, is this guy, can this guy be a number one? Right. And and I don't think I think based on what we've seen, probably not. I think he's a really good number two. I think he's in that um you know like him paul george uh, a couple other guys where like you don't love them as a number one but if they're number two they can excel in in that spot and not having to be the go-to guy and like here's the lakers so you can always find a new star and, and kind of build that way but i don't know if you want to hit your wagon to anthony davis you know for the next five to seven years and i think that's a conversation that the lakers are, are gonna have to look at themselves in the mirror and and have this offseason
0: yeah, it seems like it's a package deal. I think if LeBron, like after next year, that's it. Like they both probably have to move on, Um, which would be, man, that would be wild. Um, But as someone who like I've watched some Laker games this year, I have not watched all the Lakers games this year. Um, What have you seen that most folks, if they did, have not tuned in for every single game that you have, that you've been able to see, that you've been able to see on the court? Like we talked about the poor fit, but like. What game to game have you seen that's just been like, okay, this is, you have to watch each individual game to really understand why it has been such a mess and so frustrating for Laker fans this year?
1: I think it's really a, a raw, ro- I mean, it, to me, it's, it's a roster construction issue where they did a really, like, if, if you look at the, even, even going back to the last season, I think if you look at the last couple of Laker teams, they did a really good job of having two way guys in the rotation, like, and, and of course, you know, no role player is perfect that there's going to be ways to scheme against some of these guys. And, you know, like KCP um, would have some bad turnovers and, 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 you know, wasn't the best finisher. And, um, you know, Alex Crusoe wasn't the best shooter or playmaker, but like those guys helped you on, on both ends. Kyle Kuzma helped you on both ends. um, You know, even JaVel McGee and Dwight Howard, the championship year in their limited roles, like, you know, they, they were catching lobs and finishing inside and they're protecting the rim and blocking shots on the other end. And it was like, everybody kind of had a two way role. And I think this year's team, it's, it's just been kind of whack-a-mole where they play big and then they're good defensively, but then they can't score and then they go smaller and, and they're scoring a lot, but then they can't defend. And it's just kind of been this night to night, like some nights they're going bigger, some nights they're going smaller there's no consistency in the lineup or, or rotation and it's really just because it's just such a poorly constructed roster and and these pieces just you know it's it's beyond lebron and, and russ it's like they really struggled even find like a five man reliable unit that they can rely on you know night to night and um so i think i think first and foremost that but but second like this team uh, i mean the, 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 they're under five you know almost half over half their games this season uh, they're, they're 17 and 19 in crunch time. So they, they played 60 games. 36 of them have gone to crunch time and they're 17 and 19. So they're, they're under 500 and they've just had some painfully, like awful losses of just terrible late game execution. And um, like all the stuff that works for them for the first 42 to 45 minutes of getting out in transition and, and picking rolls and um, you know LeBron being LeBron, like that goes out the window the last few minutes where this team just isolates and, and and takes awful shots so i think that's another thing and then i think the other thing is we've seen that just happened in the pelicans loss is like what when they really get punched in the mouth uh you know they will sometimes just give up and and i think like that pelicans loss to me was the lowest point of the season where it's like you guys are playing a team that is right below you in the standings you know every game at this point is a playoff game for the lakers and you guys are down uh, by 11 coming out of halftime and you guys just roll over and get steamrolled in the third quarter fans are booing they're missing open layups uh, you know new orleans is hitting every shot and it was just embarrassing and it was like they basically waved the white flag and and quit on each other they they quit on the game and i think they deserve to be booed and and so to me it's like it's just that like, you know so many different things but really for me i, I think it's, it's just how poorly designed this roster is of, of you know, not having any shooting really around the Le- LeBron James team. And, and then also like this team kind of giving up when things get tough. And I, I think you've seen that too many times this season.
0: Is Frank Vogel back next year? No. Okay. Do you think he knows that? Yes.
1: <laughs> Man. I mean, and, and I'll yeah. say that I, I don't know if, I don't know if he wants to be back
0: next season well, I have a part two for this. Is Rob Polinka the general manager next season?
1: I think so. Um, right. I think he'll, I think he'll probably get one more chance to, like, I, I would say I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if he's not. So I, I wouldn't say what's like Frank Vogel. I would be shocked if he's back as the head coach. I think at this point, um, you know, I, I think the writing's on the wall. I think there's been multiple points that they've considered firing him this season. And I think, I think once that kind of came out and the fan base was or at least a, a portion of the fan base was was really against it I think they realized mm-hmm. it might not be you know it might be a PR nightmare um so you know cuz the guy won I mean the guy won a championship yeah in in you know October 2020 and and to fire him you know basically a year later uh you know year and a half later I, I don't think that's you know the 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 best move um you know optically so I think Frank I, I'm fairly confident whether, you know, there'll probably be a mutual parting of ways. Um, I think that's how it'll be framed and, and he'll be out, let out of his contract. And with Robert, I think he'll get one more shot to try to rebuild a contender, but I, I could see next season if they have not fixed this situation, him either being let go during the season or, or the following off season.
0: Okay. Interesting. Um, well, let's switch gears, uh, outside of the Lakers, who have you found yourself watching and who have you been intrigued by on the court? What, uh, on the court storylines and on the court play has, has fascinated you the most of late. I mean, it's,
1: it's gotta be John Morant. Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, I I think this has become one of the stories of the season where, um, you know, I think, look, he, he was the number two pick. So it's not like he had modest expectations, right. But I think he's jumped to a level where, you know, like, you know, Jaw or like, I I think that even heading into the season, I think most people would have still taken Zion over jaw. If you were saying, who would you rather build around moving forward? I think it's, it's, it's completely reversed now. And obviously Zion, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in New Orleans and, um, it remains to be seen kind of how that all plays out. But I think jaw has, has risen to the level of like, I think he's in the conversation for top 10 player in the league right now. Um, I think he's obviously, I I think, you know, probably in the back end of that MVP discussion where you're looking at spots four and five on your ballot, he's right there. And I mean, Memphis, like I'm always a little skeptical of young teams making a leap. and, And I feel like historically we see, even if a young team wins like 50 plus games in the regular season, those types of teams will tend to lose in like the first round or the second round to a, you know, a a more veteran team, right? So if, if if Memphis is the three and they get matched up with like Dallas or Denver, two teams that have made multiple, you know, been in the postseason multiple times together, like I could see like Luca being the best player in that series or, or Jokic being the best player in that series. And, and those, you know, one of those teams potentially upsetting Memphis, but, at least for right now, like the Memphis team, uh, I think most people had them as like a back and fringe playoff contender, you know, for them to be the three seed knocking on the door, the two seed uh, really, I, I think, you know, a, a fringe contender, right? Like I, I wouldn't put them in that Phoenix golden state, uh, you know, Milwaukee, Miami, whoever else you want to throw in their uh, group. But I think they're right there with, with, you know, teams six, seven, eight, somewhere in that mix. And and you know just the season he's had is is special, and I, I really think he he's rewritten the ceiling on him. And he to me looks like a guy who's future first team All NBA, you know, future MVP, uh, potential future champion. Like you know, I, I think there's there's a lot of things that have, have really kind of been rewritten in the last few months on, on John Morant. So um, I think it's great for Memphis. I think it's great for the NBA, and uh, it, it's just been really fun to watch because he's so. He, he's amazing right but but it's also just the, the way he plays and and sort of the plays he makes um, you know pe- there's been some step comparisons and obviously totally different players but like we we have not really seen a a athletic guard like this i guess since like what you know R- prime rose and and prime westbrook and, and he's a little different than those guys in, in in various ways but like it's just really really exciting and um I, i'm i'm really kind of looking forward to how the rest of the season plays out obviously just had that the 52 point game coming off the 46 point game and, and just kind of seeing what happens with this Memphis team because they're really really good they're, they're hungry they they talk a bunch of shit to people and and I just think they're really fun to watch
0: well you saw Iverson gave him some uh some credit uh yeah. this week too so I think you have to throw the Iverson uh part of it into it He reminds like so I think he's going to be in that conversation with Luca and Trey where I think if you uh, without pulling it up, I'm pretty sure Trey and Jaw have the same PER uh, to this point in the season. They both have incredibly high usage rates. Um, obviously, not the kind of season that you would have wanted uh, if you're Trey Young in Atlanta. And having watched all these games, it's like it's not Trey. Like Trey is a top ten player in this league now. And I think Luka is there, and I think Jaw might be there. Like those three are going to battle it out for first team, second team, All NBA for the foreseeable future but what i will say and this is something that reminds me like the hawks went on their eastern conference finals run last year and that is something that i think memphis is kind of having this year where they're kind of having their moment that was a little bit different um than uh what was before but i don't know i think it uh i don't know i think this is going to be fascinating because these three will be going at it i also could totally see this Memphis team losing in the first round I I could see if they get Denver and Denver get healthy and we'll talk about Denver in a second Um, I don't know like I (laughs) Murray Jokic and company like Jokic is the best player in that series if it's Jokic and Morant and I would be so curious to see how that goes because that's not what you want if um, if you're you're memphis you don't want that i i don't think they're contenders um i think they still need a lot like it's still asking a lot for jaron jackson or desmond bain to be uh to be that guy but we'll see we'll we'll see if that's the case i i don't know we'll see if that's the case and i i'm just i'm very fascinated to to learn what ultimately happens here between jaw with trey with luca because I could see it going a lot of different ways with these three, but I think Jaw's just kind of having the year that Trey had last year with Atlanta. I just don't know if it's sustainable. Like his falls are crazy, man. He looked like he had another bad injury fall this week. Um, if I had to bet on the three who plays in this league at an elite level uh, for ten plus years, it goes one Luca, two Trey, three Jaw. I think there needs to be more of an impetus to win now with Jaw. Um, I would like it's not full Derrick Rose com- like concerns, but it's also like I don't see this game working 10 years from now. I, I think it's one of those where it's like this dude's a superstar. He's a first team NBA kind of guy. He's firmly in the MVP conversation. I think there needs to be more impetus to be like, we can't do this with Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson for the next two to three years. It's an awesome story. Our depth's awesome. We're we're a lot of fun. Like Zaire Williams is cool, but like this doesn't want a title. Like you're not beating the Suns and Warriors in succession in a playoff series, especially next year. if The Clippers get back 100%. The Jazz aren't going anywhere. Um, the Nuggets should be back and healthy next year. I don't know. I think it's going to be interesting to see what Memphis does for me because I don't think they're constructed in a way that can win. Um, And I think they're an awesome story. They're a lot of fun, but they have to make some really difficult decisions. Like do we trade for Bradley Beal? Uh, Because we need to make this work. Now we need to see what happens kind of like the NFL stuff with young quarterbacks where it's like, Oh, we found the franchise guy. We got a Russell Wilson. All right, let's go all in before we have to pay. And before we have to figure out everything else, like, I wonder if that's how Memphis should view it because I don't know. I, I think they're, they're fun, but they are going to have to deal with this. The pressure that comes with being one of the best teams in the West. And I don't know, like I could see them losing this first round series. Like they're a great regular season story, but if they get the nuggets in round one, I'm taking, the Nuggets are even close to being healthy. I'm taking Jokic and the Nuggets in that series, um, but we'll see. What do you, What do you think of that? I'm not trying to pour a bunch of cold water on Grizzlies fans because this is awesome for them. I just, I think there, uh, there is a limit, and I think we'll see it come playoff time.
1: Yeah, no, no, for for sure, and and, and that's kind of where I'm, you know, I, I was going with my with my um, you know original response where like, I think I we we've seen how dominant and special Luca has been the last two postseasons and it really took you know heroic performances from Kawhi Leonard and just a vastly superior Clippers team for Luca not to advance and, mm-hmm. and you know he, he pushed those guys to to you know 13 games over two series just basically by him being incredible and I think you know them play you know as long as dallas doesn't match up with a healthy clippers team again uh, and of course you know phoenix and golden state like i think dallas has a real shot with with how great luca has been in the postseason to beat anybody i I think they could beat memphis i think they could beat utah i think they could beat denver like you know those seem to kind of be the three through six right now so
0: Oh, yeah. If we get common- Utah, if we get Utah, Dallas in round one, I, I, I might mortgage the house on uh, Dallas beating Utah in a seven. game Yeah. Series. So like I-,
1: I, I, <laughs> I think Dallas could do that. And then to, to your point, Denver, you know, potentially getting Jamal Murray and Michael Porter back. And, and even even not like just with how special Jokic is like, I think they could beat Memphis in round one. So I, I think for Memphis, um, I look at it like you have ja, you have Jaron Jackson. Um, I really like Desmond Bain, but I don't know what exactly his ceiling is. And I think for them, ultimately, they're going to need an elite wing, um, you know, preferably like a three. But but as you, you mentioned, Bradley Beal, like, you know, not a three, but he obviously is an elite player. Um, they're going to need that kind of elite wing scorer that I don't think they currently have, you know, someone above a Desmond Bain and, and someone just at a higher level from a shot creation perspective. So I think that's kind of the, the missing piece on this team and they get that player and, and Jaron Jackson continues to improve and Ja continues to improve. And like, that is a big three that I think can help you, uh, you know, win, uh, you know, go to a conference finals, go to an NBA finals, you know, with, with the, because de- I think the other thing with this, with this group, that's kind of been underrated is like, they're just really deep and, 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 you know, they are one, like, and it's not a lot of guys you, you've heard of, like they, they have these guys off the bench that, um, you know, some of them, you know, are G League guys or second round picks or undrafted guys. And like, they're just a team that's like 12 deep and everybody's tough and everybody hustles and everybody tries hard. And, um, you know, again, we, we, we see those types of teams tend to do better in, in the regular season than in the postseason. And and that's where I think we're going to see some of those limitations uh, in a seven game series. But ultimately, like I think they've done a really good job of of building out a nice young core, uh, managing their assets and and finding these kind of cheap, helpful, uh, useful role players. So I think the future is really bright for Memphis where I think they're arriving a little bit earlier than expected, but, you know, heading into next season, they should also be a a home court team in, in the West again. And, if they can't execute a Bradley Beal trade or or a trade for some type of elite wing, I, I do think that all of a sudden they're probably right there with Phoenix and Golden State.
0: We'll see um i hope so but i just i think they have to get the arms race and that's like the unfortunate part kind of like what you just saw in new orleans like they made the swing for cj mccollum because it was like oh we're sinking and we don't have much time to make zion happy it's a completely different circumstance in terms of why they made a win now move but i think you're seeing around the league like the hawks are going to deal with this because the hawks will have to win back-to-back games um to get into the playoffs this year and i don't think that's going to happen especially if the nets are that eight spot um, or the seventh spot, or whoever. Maybe if they get the Raptors, they have to just beat the Hornets and then Raptors in back-to-back games. So they could probably do that. Um, but we'll see. Like the Hawks are still in a situation where they're going to have to surround Trey with better talent next year. Like you cannot do this again with Trey Young after making the Eastern Conference Finals, and then going into next year, um, with the same group. Like it can't. They didn't make a move at the deadline, but this summer they'll have to make significant changes, and you have to sacrifice a lot more depth to. Uh, make it work with your top 10 guy because eventually he will ask out. Eventually, he will be like, all right, this is enough. I am moving on because that's just where it's going. Like Dallas is doing everything in their power to make Luca as happy as possible. But like we talked about Dallas, Dallas is kind of out of options too. Like they don't have any real assets to move for another superstar. Chris Stapps being a bus for them is a bummer because they don't... Dallas has never been a free agent destination. Like Dallas is not going to bring in another superstar to pair with Luca um because we just haven't seen it so maybe that changes now but uh until it happens like that we just have decades of evidence to the contrary so i i don't know like what does dallas do what does Luca do when he realizes oh we're too good to be in the lottery now and we have no picks uh we have no guys no young options around me that we can flip for uh the next star to help me out and get me over that hump so i don't know i think you're gonna see this a lot and Memphis will be in that conversation of having to make tough decisions where it's like, we're an awesome, fun team, but if Jaw wants, uh, wants to win a title and we really want to get over this hump, we have to make a deal or we're going to be in the grit and grind scenario where it's just fun and we're a great playoff team every year and Mike Conley's awesome and John Morant's awesome and this is fun. We play the right way and it's great regular season basketball, but then come playoff time, man, you still got to win those series in a row and to get through that, especially in the West, I just... I don't know it has to it's going to require more and i don't think as presently constructed they have the firepower to do that also what is the history of like a guy in his second year guiding his team to a deep playoff run like this is year two for jaw and he is the best player on his team uh, by a significant margin so i don't know we're in uncharted waters on that front right
1: yeah yeah um i I think boy is it is this not year three
0: Oh, saying? is it year three? Maybe it is year three. Yeah, I guess it is year three.
1: Um, but still, I mean, we we don't. I mean, the, the, the like the, the comparison. I, I think that that's kind of naturally there. Is is this team is a little bit like that that Bulls team? Um, and and that Bulls team made that jump from first they were the eight seed and, and they had that seven game series with the Celtics, and then the next season uh, they were a one seed and won sixty plus games. And and Mem- Memphis is kind of in between those two. Uh, I mean, they're probably closer to the 61 team than, than the eight seed in the East. But uh, I think, you know, like it, it, we've, I guess that's kind of the, the closest thing where, you yeah. know, that team was a defensive minded group, a bunch of role players for the most part, um, you know, did have Wall Deng and, and uh, Carlos Boozer and, uh, you know, surrounding Derrick Rose. So it wasn't just Derrick Rose, but like it, it was very much Derrick Rose was the center of the offense and he was kind of the offensive engine. And then, the team kind of, um, you know, w- was successful in the defensive end, uh, not unlike those early uh, 2000s Sixers teams with, with Iverson. So I, I think, I mean, th- there's been a little bit of a precedent, um, but not not really. And, and I, I think Ja, I mean, fr- from a third year player perspective, like,
0: uh, again, like we, we haven't really seen a guy, I, I think, at this level, I mean, Luca. The bubble year messed right? my brain up, man. The bubble year messed my brain up. Because I forgot like that was the rookie. Year. Like I was just like, oh yeah, he's played two full seasons. I uh, just like the bubble year just blocked like I, for whatever reason, that will always be a mental block for me of like what happened in the bubble year and who was a rookie <laughs> that year. That was just so weird.
1: Yeah. But um, I mean, regardless, like it, it's still, you know, second versus third year, you know, he he's he's special. And mm. um I I think again, at the least, like I know sometimes we, we get into the weeds with this stuff of what does it actually mean and, and you know, can they contend and, and, and this and that. But, like, I just think this is a fun story. And, and yeah. he's just, like, right now, he's, to me, the most exciting player to watch in the NBA. And um, I don't, you know, I, I don't think anyone thought that a few months ago. Like, I, I know he, he was up there in that conversation, but, like, I think he's taken that mantle for, for sure right now. And um, it's just been a,
0: a fun ride in Memphis. You know who actually might have that mantle for me right now? Um, and it's not... It's it's someone you're very familiar with. You're very familiar with the Ball family, Yovambua. LaMelo Ball is so much fun. I watched um, Hornets Bucks this morning, and they got destroyed in the second quarter, so it was it was a nightmare. But I think he had, like, 13 in the first, and, like, I'm just in there taking my notes, and I'm just watching. Like, his shot looks... Still weird, like it's never. It doesn't look good. It's never going to be a shot that looks like he's going to be hitting forty percent consistently. But he has some step back threes to his game. He knows where he's supposed to be. He's good at finding the right spots for corner threes. His passing's a lot of fun. Um, Giannis and the only, like the the poor Hornets, man. Like you knew this was just going to be a, the. A situation where Giannis is going to lay the hammer down because like there's there's nothing inside. Like Harold <laughs> and uh, Plumley were just at a loss. There was this dude named Thor they threw in there for a little bit. He's a made up player. Don't believe that that was real. Haven't seen him before. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like the the Hornets are a weird watch, but Lamelo Ball is so much fun. Like he is. I, I still think a lot about if the Warriors had picked LaMelo instead of Wiseman what they look like and what we think about them and um part of it's not isn't Wiseman's fault cuz he's been hurt but um LaMelo man is he's good and he is so much fun because his passing is next level but the shots not terrible, and he's he's a smart player. Like Lamelo Ball is one of my favorite watches, and I try to watch as much Hornets as I can, just because he is someone that I wanna I wanna watch a lot of. Have you have you spent a lot of time watching some some Lamelo Ball? What do you think about him at this point?
1: Yeah, no, he he for me is also up there in that conversation, um, and, and you know I I thought he was gonna be really good. I, I don't I didn't think he was gonna be this good this soon. Um, and you know, that, that's the guy that's in his second season. Right. And, and, and yep. I imagining that w- in golden state, like, I, I don't, I'm kind of glad with the way it worked out just because I, I think he would have been a different player in golden state where, you know, he wasn't going to have the ball in his hands as much. And I, I think there was always going to be a limitation to him fitting next to Steph Curry. And, and we just know that everything goes through Steph and and, and we'll always go through Steph and um you know and and they have a a bit of a more utilitarian approach to their offense where um you know it's it's multiple multiple actions multiple ball handlers multiple ways to attack so i think they would have they would have found a creative way to use lamelo but he he wouldn't have been on you know just kind of free the way that he is in, in Charlotte so I think from from a watchability perspective, it's probably worked out as well as possible. But I think if you're Golden State, you're kicking yourself because you you can't be loving the James Wiseman pick right now. Um, But yeah, I mean, LaMelo, like his passing, I think a lot of people got caught up in like the flash of it. And it's just like, nah, he's a special generational passer um, and and really reminds me in a lot of ways of Jason Williams, uh, you know, aka White Chocolate, uh, player for the for the Kings and, and Grizzlies in the early to mid 2000s. Uh, also, Miami Heat won a championship with the Heat. But um, I, I think, like you know, but but he does obviously so many other things. And um, you know, I, I think he's maybe the one thing that would like take his game to another level is that I, I think he, he's like kind of secretly not that athletic. Um, mm-hmm. I know he, he's very quick and crafty. But like, I think if if he had even like Lonzo like I, I think Lonzo's a bit more athletic than him um like if he had more of that kind of build and athleticism um I, I think he would be just at a different level uh but his, his finishing I mean he's just such a crafty uh you know ha- has some Steve Nash I, I think to to his game um that you know probably doesn't get enough credit for just how skilled he is and uh, I think with with the way he was brought up in the spotlight and You know, we we all remember him pointing to half court and pulling up and, like, going to Lithuania and and skipping college and stuff. And I think some of that, like, soured people's perception on him. But he is an incredibly skilled uh, and just, you know, purely talented player that um, I think, again, from his his finishing to his shooting and his passing, like, is just such a unique player that there really isn't a clear compare. I mean, I just compared multiple, you know, kind of different, types of players to him and i just think he's he's really fun to watch so i'm totally with you um i would put jaw ahead of him in, in the watchability rankings but he's not far behind
0: um the lineup though with uh ball rosier bridges pj and plumley is actually plus 11.9 per 100 possessions this season so they have 202 uh two total but um uh, per cleaning the glass but i don't know when you watch them it's also like i jotted down uh what is pj washington too that is something that i i jotted down is i i don't know what he doesn't shoot though like if you watch him he doesn't like shooting like he he's actually pretty okay passer like he's supposed to shoot he is supposed to shoot and he passed up a lot of open threes last night um he likes to move the ball and that's that's good miles bridges is wild like he's also a wild watch because he attacks and he's fun um but i don't know like he's fine i not having Gordon Hayward really hurts too. Like when they go on those just cold streaks where it's like, Hey, Terry is here or uh, one of the Martins. Can you please uh, go do something? Uh, Cause we can't, uh, we can't score. And right now Giannis has realized that he can just drive and kick. And there's an open Grayson Allen or Bobby Portis in the corner and over and over again. Um, I don't know it. The, the Hornets are still a TBD, but LaMelo ball, I think is going to be a really special player. I don't think there's any way around it. Cause I think he's kind of in a really tough spot. Uh, in Charlotte and he's asked to do a lot uh in year two, but he's he's fun man and I, I just think folks should should watch him if they can't because he's a very, very different kind of player than uh, you can watch most nights. Uh Yovan quickly, Utah. They beat Phoenix on Sunday and just an awesome game. Really love that one. Um crazy moment at the end with Jay Crowder and all that. But the Jazz are now third in net rating. I, I just said that like if they get matched up in a four or five with uh, Dallas I don't think they're beating Dallas and Luca in a seven game series especially with Dallas's um, defense to this point but I don't know the jazz I have such a love-hate relationship because I put them in the in the NBA finals before the season I predicted uh, Bucks jazz and not feeling good about the jazz especially just like they didn't do anything at the deadline to address their depth on the wing is like we're we're doing the Royce O'Neal thing even after Joe Engles is gone. We're doing Royce O'Neil and Bogdanovich. That's what we're we're rolling with late again. Um and look, Mitchell was hitting some crazy shots. Conley's still great. Gobert is still just a a just hacker Gobert and gets fouled. Like he's he's still great, great player, but I don't know. Like I I I'm hesitant to talk myself back in because I wanted them to take a swing on a wing because I think they're very close. I think they're great and elite in a lot of different ways. But I I'm I'm nervous to talk myself back into them because they're playing really well as of late and they could catch. I mean, they like there's still enough time for them to move out of that four spot and catch either Memphis or golden state. But I don't know. Are you a believer in the jazz based on what you've seen and maybe based on what you saw Sunday, Donovan Mitchell, what, what do you think about the jazz right now? No, I'm (laughs) out
1: on, uh, on the jazz. Um, I think I've I've had some of these teams, and and you know I, I think we we've talked a lot about Portland in mm. recent years, and and sort of us being aligned on on not being high on Portland, and, and Utah has taken that mantle for me. Um, mm. I think they they kind of remind me of uh, the Lob City Clippers, and I, I don't think I'm the first person to make that comparison in, in the national like media scene. So I, I'm not going to say this is an original take, but I think the more I've watched them, the more um, like I think it works in the regular season, but there's a ceiling to it in the playoffs. And I think there's a, for lack of a better term, a bit of a mental weakness with this team. And I think you saw it in the bubble when they blew the lead to Denver. I think you saw it in the Clippers series uh, last postseason when they couldn't get the job done. And lost to a Clippers team playing without Kawhi Leonard. Uh, you know when when they were up, um, you know uh, what they were up two. I think what two one in that series or something. And and or it was maybe it was two two going back to yeah. Utah. I think it was two two mm-hmm. going back to Utah. And they they should have won game five. I mean they lost game five. It was a close one. Yeah. Then they had the big lead, and I was actually at game six. They had a big okay. lead in game six, blew that, and then got blown like it went from a blowout win for them to a blowout loss and it was just embarrassing and it's like there's there's kind of a fragility that you know they're kind of fragile and mm-hmm. i've seen it twice recently against the lakers where they lost two games in la w- within you know the last like month or so uh, both times having double digit leads in those games and them just collapsing down the stretch of the fourth quarter and the lakers really exposing that if you go small against Rudy Gobert it's really hard for Utah to keep up. And, you know, the, the Clippers obviously exposed that with Terrence Mann uh, in that game six and, and down the stretch of that series. But, like, I just think they're, you know, th- there's it's a combination of, of they're, you know, a little bit fragile mentally and, and when things get tough, you know, th- they kind of fold. But also, I think they have that kind of fundamental dilemma of, like, if you do go small against Rudy Gobert, can they punish you know can Rudy punish you enough offensively and can you find a a hideable spot for him defensively because we've seen uh you know the the Lakers will involve him in the pick and roll action and then if you get by that initial action there's no one there to protect the rim and if you have LeBron James with a head of steam going to the rim or or even a, a weak side cutter kind of cutting into an open space in the defense like you can get really good high percentage looks against the jazz. And I think that's a fundamental issue that they've just never solved and losing Joe Ingalls, uh, you know, first due to injury and then obviously trading him um, and, and just not really having, like, I, I think they need a alternative small ball look that they've mm-hmm. never been able to find. And and, and until they f- kind of figure that out, I'm out on Utah. So I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think, most likely, I'm. I, I would probably pick Dallas or Denver over them in the first round. And uh, if they somehow make the second round, I'm definitely picking whoever they're playing in in the second round over them. So um, I'm I'm totally out on Utah.
0: Yeah, we'll see what happens and how long uh, this keeps going. And it's just the weirdest partnership with Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. Just continues to be one of the weirdest things. Um let's end on the Nuggets though. We've mentioned them at the, the I feel like you're gonna have a different perspective on Denver. Um Zach Lowe obviously loves them and had them as a a championship team if they could have stayed healthy last year. And Jokic still, I mean he's probably uh the MVP uh I think for me. Um I don't know where you're at with him or yeah. Embiid. Um but I think I it actually helps always. his ki- okay. I just think it would be interesting. When was the last time we had uh two bigs go back to back in succession like that uh, with Giannis to Jokic, if that were to be the case. Um, I don't know when that, I kind of looked that up, but yeah, I think it helps him that they traded for Harden uh, in the East because uh, Embiid's workload will be lessened. And I mean, he's been unreal and sensational and he's very much deserving, but uh, for Jokic to do what he's doing and to keep this Denver team afloat with the amount of injuries in the West and them potentially still being in the running to uh, host a playoff series um, if things go their way in the last 20 or so games. Um, I don't know. Like Now that we know that Porter's doing contact drills next week and Murray's expected back next month, man, Barton's healthy. This group's healthy. Monty Morris is a good player. You've got a bunch of depth now and they've gotten a lot of work in. You've got you got a lot of guys and if they were to get healthy at the right time, man, that's what I'm saying is like, I, if you're Memphis, you want no part of a healthy Denver (laughs) in round one. You want no part of that. If you're golden state, you want no part of that. If they fell down to the seven spot or something, which I don't think is happening, but if you're Utah, you want no part of uh, Denver in round one with the pressure that comes there. Um, Now, Dallas, Denver, that could be a lot of fun and that can go a lot of different ways, but um, I don't know. Do you think Denver Will have enough time to kind of get this all back together and really make a a run at a at a title and a deep playoff run after last year seemingly like that was their time. Do you think they can actually put it all together uh, late in the season?
1: Uh, I I do. I, I mean, I want to I want to see it. I, I want to see how Porter Junior. and and Murray look before, um, really having you know it's like. I mean, I, I guess I, I would say like history suggests probably not, you know, we, we, we don't really see teams get players back from these types of injuries and they're immediately themselves. Um, and so I would say like there, there's a healthy level of skepticism fr- from me in that sense, but if they can get close to you know 80% or so of the players that they've been, um, you know, especially Murray and, and the way that he's played, you know, really well in the, in the playoffs, the last couple of postseasons, seasons, uh, like that. You know, Denver's right there. I think, uh, if not for um, you know the injury last season, I think that they had a, a real shot to come out of the West, um, or or at least make a conference finals again. And I think they're right there. I mean, Jokic is as you said for for me the MVP and and arguably the best player in the league right now um or or at least in that conversation and and then you know I I think just the pieces fit really well like his his two-man game with Jamal Murray is arguably the best two-man game in the league or again in that conversation uh then you have Aaron Gordon and as you said Will Barton and Michael Porter and like that's just a deep, well-coached team that has been to multiple playoffs together and really, I think, just has a special synergy when when all those guys are healthy and, and playing together. So I think they, you know, ideally, we're having this conversation a month ago and Denver's getting like an extra month to kind of work things out before the playoffs. I do think it's going to be difficult to kind of figure this out the last couple weeks of the regular season or potentially even kind of in round one. Uh, but for me it's it's going to partially come down to matchups because i do think them playing memphis or utah in round 1 like i could easily see them beating one of those teams e- even if these guys are all you know kind of returning right before that first round so um I, I i as of right now i probably would pick denver to go to round 2 mm-hmm. uh most likely uh, again i mean we'll, we'll see kind of how the west uh bracket shakes out but round 2 is where it gets interesting because if you somehow well I'm I guess like their their ideal path might be be like 6 and play uh well, if you're 6 you're probably I don't know I got I was thinking I was thinking if there's a way for them to play like Utah and then Memphis like I could see them making the finals but yeah the, the way for the for the standings to shake out it, it, yeah it would you know, it'd be difficult, but, um, so they're most likely going to have to play golden state in round two. And and that's where I think golden state wins that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I I think they're, they're right there though. And, and I I think every team at full, I mean, look to me, honestly, like the, every team's at full strength, you could make a case that the, the nuggets and the Clippers are the two best teams in the West. Like that would not shock me. Um, you know the, the Clippers have basically been 500 without Kawhi Leonard and, and with Paul George missing a large portion of the season. Like that's pretty crazy. I mean, they've been they're better than the Lakers, who've had LeBron for most of the season, AD for half the season, and Russ for the full season. Like it just the Clippers are really good even without
0: um, Reggie Jackson's like their high usage guy. You watch the Clippers and you're like, I don't understand how they're in every game. Like Ty Lue not sense, getting but... serious Coach of the Year stuff. Like he's not going to enough games, but like. I think there's a very easy case to make uh Ty Lue the coach of the year when you watch just watch three Clippers games in a row and then tell me how Tyloo is not the coach of the year. Just watch three in a row. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean he,
1: he's a brilliant coach and and yeah, I mean I, I, I would think next season, like the West with you, you gotta think Phoenix is gonna continue to play at this level, if not even improve a little bit as Ayton and, and Booker continue to get better and, and bridges and then you have Golden State with another season together uh memphis continuing to get better and then i think denver and the clippers you know hopefully getting healthy like you know dallas is still right there with luca like that that's just a ridiculous west heading into next season like i I think people people saying the east is better like right now yes i think the top of the east is better than the top of the west but uh, i think the west was a couple sleeping giants that were decimated by injuries this season that denver and the clippers come back and I, i think the west is right there with the east
0: yeah i I think so, and we'll we'll see what ultimately happens here but um yeah it's gonna be fun. I'm excited the playoffs this year, especially in the east, is just gonna be an absolute bloodbath. I think the West is not gonna be all that uh all that surprising um there's gonna be two really good teams in the east that lose in the first round, yes, which that is should awesome. be like conference semifinals teams mm-hmm. and that's gonna be great great uh the Darren ravel tweet uh i feel bad for our country but this is great content uh for the eastern conference um true or false Yovan? reggie jackson's usage rate is over 27 this year i i think that's such a ridiculous question that i'm gonna have to say true it is true it's 27.1 there you go i'm telling you folks like watch a game like it's he has a 27 usage rate and a 99 offensive rating like they're minus uh, thirteen, uh, just the the on off with them. Like it it's I don't understand the Los Angeles Clippers this year. Like you have to watch these games. It's in it's it's just an unreal thing. It, I I promise you, it's it's worth your time though. Um, but Yovon, we'll end with this stargazing. Uh, you just wrapped up uh, your first season. It was great. Listen to every Thank episode. You. Very much enjoyed it and very proud of you uh, getting your own uh, own spot there on The Athletic. I think it goes up on the weekends on the feed, correct? Um, the Athletic yeah, NBA sun, show?
1: Sundays, Sunday mornings.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, what can uh, the good folks, what can they check out sell the folks who have not already done so? How do they uh, tune in? How do they watch it? How do they listen to Stargazing with Yovon Bua?
1: Yeah, so Stargazing is a NBA culture podcast that I launched back in mid-December where I interview basically lifestyle figures, influencers, experts uh, that are around NBA superstars. So think uh, stylists and uh, chefs, trainers, uh, barbers, like all the people that uh, make up the NBA ecosystem that usually don't hear from, you know, people that uh, are hanging out with players, are friends with players, are going to games, Know some know some secrets, <laughs> uh, and, and and you know I just have all these cool stories that uh, I don't think are always told. So my my you know kind of goal with the series was uh, inter- interview some people that you know, interview some people you don't know, and uh, kind of share their journeys of how they got these cool jobs uh, where they're you know hanging out and, and interacting with NBA players on a daily basis. So uh, we just wrapped season one. It was a eight episode season. Uh, seven guests and then the the last episode was sort of a recap uh, of of the highlights of the season Um, so we'll we'll be back in a few months gonna spend the next few months uh, finishing up on the Lakers and then also kind of prepping for season two so uh, it was really fun to do that we rented a studio out here in LA uh, and and got to do most of the episodes in in person with, with the guests so that was really fun and Um, yeah, man, it's been something I was working on for a couple of years and was really glad that I got that opportunity. Was glad with how the first season
0: turned out and I'm excited for future seasons. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to keep following along and it's very different. So it's a different perspective, which is always good because it's a it's a fresh take on the behind the scenes stuff. And uh, when you're when you have too much of the kind of stuff that you and I do on this podcast, you have on where we're just we're just uh, opining about uh, the encore stuff. It's good to have like uh, perspective from folks that you wouldn't not necessarily uh, hear without this very podcast. So um, go subscribe and check that out if you've not already done so and uh, go subscribe to The Athletic. Also, if you have not already done so, but uh, Jovan, keep up the great work, sir. Uh, Enjoy the game this evening and uh, I will talk to you again soon.
1: Sounds good, brother. Talk to you soon.
0: All right, folks, that'll do it for this edition here on the Chase Ones podcast. Uh, This episode with uh, the Athletics' Yovan Bua. I hope you guys enjoyed uh, Yovan and I talking all things NBA. Uh, If you like listening to today's episode and you've not already done so, please do leave this show a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, Don't forget, follow Yovan at Yovan Bua. Subscribe to The Athletic if you've not already done so and subscribe to his show the uh, stargazing on the athletic NBA show. So all that good stuff. Um, Don't forget. You can email this program, any NBA questions, general questions at chase Thomas podcast at gmail.com. Go check us out on YouTube, the chase Thomas podcast on YouTube, subscribe, like, share it out. All that good stuff. Chase Thomas podcast.com for access to all of my previous episodes, all that good stuff. Learn about the show, little things like that. Um, Follow me on Twitter at chase double underscore Thomas, like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer, Uh, new episode, coming to tomorrow coming to you all tomorrow rather. Um, but yeah, you guys have yourself a great rest of your Wednesday and, uh, I'll talk to you guys very soon. Uncle Derek, how'd I do?
1: Nicely done nephew. Chase Thomas podcast. Hell yeah.